Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Erica Wise, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Short and hot with Chef Family. Short and hot with Chef Family. Hey guys, welcome to Sharp and Hot on Heritage Radio Network. I am Ann Hogan. I'm going to be hosting today Chef Emily Peterson. Uh, has picked the right time to go away, guys. She is traveling. She is in Puerto Rico with her family. Um, So she will not be on air today, but I'm sure um, Emily is currently sitting oceanside with a margarita. Emily, if you're listening, cheers. Have one for me. Have one for Jack. (laughs) Have one for everybody. Have two for me, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It is, guys, it's 19 degrees in Bushwick, Brooklyn, uh, here at Roberta's. It's freezing, but we're almost there. We're almost there. It's like end of February. Like, this is when, like, we can do it. We put in... Springtime is around the corner. (laughs) We put in all our time. So just hold out a little bit longer. Um, but we are, we are cozy and warm here in Roberta's. They have the fireplaces going. The restaurant is filled to the brim as usual without fail. There are always a ton of people here. It doesn't even matter. It's Tuesday afternoon and there are, it's just, it's filled. Who are these people with these amazing jobs? (laughs) They can just drink wine and eat pizza in the afternoon. Oh, I think we're going to have to, I think we'll definitely be getting a pie after this show. Everyone that is guaranteed. (laughs) That is Leanne Brown. Um, she is our guest for today. She is the author of Good and Cheap, Eat Well on $4 a Day. Um, she's a fantastic human. Aw, <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for being here. Um, and she's also a friend of mine from the Food Studies Master's Program over at NYU, uh, which incidentally... Yeah. So you'll have to forgive us if we giggle too much. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get to see each other as often as we'd like. <laughs> we just schedule it on air. Um, <laughs> but it's also where the Good and Cheap Project was born, out of the class that we met each other in, our thesis class. So uh, I can't help but to feel privileged just to have been part of kind of that... Uh, just seeing the wheels turning. Oh, yeah. I remember sitting next to you at the library, and <laughs> you'd be sneaking looks over at my computer. Like, uh, ooh, man, like, that looks like soup. That looks good. Yeah, but it was all just like this gorgeous food, and it would be like midnight. So I'd be like <laughs> friggin' losing my brain, like trying to put my thing together. And it was like Leanne sitting there. With, if anybody has seen the book or not seen the book, check it out. It's absolutely, it's gorgeous. It's visually stunning. Um, so, yeah, midnight at the library to see like, uh, you know, these like, chickpea on toast and avocados it was just it was great it was great (laughs) so (laughs) let's jump right in um so yeah let's just jump right in let's talk about the beginning and like how good and cheap kind of evolved from idea to reality sure well obviously it started out as a thesis project um which you know the sort of painfulness of that process Um, and you know, sort of why I chose to, to do, uh, a cookbook for my thesis, a big part of it was just that I had come back to do a master's program, um, not because I wanted to be an academic, but really because I wanted to study something that I absolutely loved and throw myself into it and kind of, uh, 
not, you know, be a little bit directionless at first and be okay. influenced by the program. And so um, I moved to, to New York from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously you know, there's some big policy differences. There's big differences in the way that people eat in America from the way they eat in Canada. I mean, not that different, but uh, <laughs> different enough anyhow. Okay. Um, and one of the things that really kept sticking out to me, um, of course, is just the food stamps program. Right. Uh, which we don't have in Canada. And, uh, you know, it was this weird little thing. I've always been fairly, um, I've been always interested and attracted to issues of fairness. Yeah. Um, and and it continued to bother me um, the way the program has run, this sort of sense of almost like second-class citizenship. Uh, these things really bothered me, especially when there's so much good food to be had and you know, I really believe that absolutely everyone deserves to eat well. Yeah. Obviously. I think, I'm, I know you do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And uh, I kept sort of finding throughout the program these little moments where um, I would realize that even, you know, my colleagues, uh, you know, people like you, Anne, and, and all these wonderful people that I was meeting um, would sort of be surprised at, I would share sort of something that I had made at home, um, some sort of cooking thing I was doing. I would talk about, you know, menus and the different things that you could do with food. And people would often sort of be surprised by it. And I was surprised that they were surprised. And I came to sort of realize that I had something to offer. Um, and when I realized that I felt like I could sort of prove in some ways that you can eat uh, really good food uh, with very little money. Right, uh, right. If you can cook, you know, if you really understand how to cook and uh and so that's sort of where good and cheap came from and i wanted it to be this book i wanted it to be this beautiful thing that people would enjoy i wanted it to be the opposite of those i always say the like church basement kind of like oh. triple photocopy yes i feel like i remember <laughs> when you initially described this to me and i was yeah. like dead on so yeah again. yeah <laughs> yeah it's um you know it's it should be as beautiful as anything else that you would get in a bookstore um, not the sort of, oh, this is food for poor people um, right. like kind of look. Stigma. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Well, and uh, especially when we're talking about food that is heavy with vegetables because vegetables are beautiful. They're mm -hmm. all different colors. Um, <laughs> and we should be able to see that. Um, and I also think that it's so helpful when you're first learning how to cook to be able to see what you want at the end of it. I mean, and things won't always look as perfect as that. Admittedly, you know, I wipe the plate down to make sure it all looks great. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the same time, that is what you're going for. And I think that's really useful when you're first starting out with cooking to sort of know what know what you're trying to get at the yeah. end of it. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's really hard for me. Or if I'm flipping through kind of recipes or a book or looking I mean maybe it's just my personality but if there's not a picture I'm like meh but I was I like know. well I I'm don't want to cook the it exact that. same way even if I know exactly what it'll look like I'm like it's just really yeah, yeah, yeah not that exciting no I'm gonna yeah I mean and I think we're kind of a visual society mm -hmm, too mm -hmm. um a lot of people are visual learners a lot of and some people it's so interesting like some people learn through books I think I oddly I, I want to say I really learned to cook a lot through watching videos like watching yeah. youtube videos in my uh early 20s and late teens i really learn a lot through that kind of thing yeah. and i think everyone has different ways that they learn and that's right so i think that's important to note you classify yourself as a home cook you definitely don't say that you're yeah a chef, well i'm right? not i'm not right. trained at all um i you know i know the proper way to cut an onion from right right I don't even know how I picked that one up. Probably just you have to at this point. What is but... the proper way to Because I'm always doing – if Emily is listening, she knows. I'm All always right. like, wait, what? What do we do? Okay, how can I – I'm going to try to describe this. 
So you want to split it in half, Mm -hmm. like along the equator. Okay. And then, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. So not like, not the other way. Yeah. yeah. Um, So with the sort of root end, you're going to split it through that. Okay. And then you want to tear off the outside nasty pieces. Mm -hmm. um, And you want to leave the root on. Okay. Because that sort of holds the whole half of the onion together. The hairy part or the, the hairy part? part? The hairy okay, part. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what shishi is. So the little, yeah, the root okay. is sort of holds okay. it together. And so now you have, you know, your half onion and it's flat on your cutting board, which mm-hmm. is great. So it's this nice surface. And you make, um, again, just cuts straight through it um, along the equator, oh. about three or four straight through there. Okay. And then you turn it, um, you turn it 180 degrees sort of facing yourself. And then, so your your knife then is towards the uh, the root part, the knobbly bit at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and you make a bunch of cuts sort of straight through. Mm-hmm. And then what you have, and then because onions are so many layers, you basically created like this nice little um, set of things that then you you turn uh, you turn the onion back. 180 degrees again and then you cut straight down it and then you have these perfect little dice that come out of it and it's just it's sort of like origami or like those or not origami but like when you made those little snowmen out of um or snowflakes out of paper where you sort of do a bunch of little cuts and then you pull it apart and it's magically this beautiful thing that's kind of what you're doing with an onion for the record guys i'm not cutting an onion Just, that's not happening. That probably also may not have been as clear as I'd hoped. But no, that was that was clear. I was just like, yep, nope, not me. Um, however, I think that I mean I do have the uh, the book. I have Good and Cheap, and it's so approachable. And I think like that was kind of just like a great visualization of just yeah. You don't have to be a chef to make beautiful no, food and make it taste not. awesome. No, you just need a little bit of practice. And really, it's also not that hard. I think there's so much about the way we write about food and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many wonderful I love that people love food now I feel Mm -hmm. like there's this wonderful interest in it again but the sort of negative side of that sometimes is that the sort of celebrity chef thing there's all this sort of idea that it has to be this certain way and only certain people can do it that it's difficult it's these amazing iron chefs that do things and everyone else kind of is stuck eating you know instant ramen noodles and in fact there's it's really not that difficult it's certainly difficult to be an iron chef but it's not that difficult to do home cooking you just have to do it and it's not that fancy like you can do it like every you know i mean i remember when i i told um my family about this project and they were just so excited about it it's just great to see um just everybody any person can can approach good and cheap um and it's really really, natural i hear from just such a wide variety of people um on it all the time and i'm i'm really touched by how much they're touched by it a lot of the time you know i hear this uh really cool woman who's talked to me a bunch of times we've sort of corresponded quite a bit was telling me just the other day about how she um she's been going through some difficult times her husband uh her husband left her and her two children And uh, and they've been sort of struggling, but the way that she describes it, she says, "We've been downsizing," okay. um, which is this really okay. really positive way of looking at it. And she's saying that for her, good and cheap has been a really important tool during that process. And her um, her son, her twelve year old son, has been shopping with it, and she's been um, they've been cooking all kinds of things together, and it's been making life better. That's really. Co- I mean, I love that, and I think okay. So I a question I hear a lot, um, I get from like family, my friends. Like, Annie, like, where do I start? Yeah. Like, what's a good way, just in your experience and kind of moving through this book, when people are, you know, 
They want to make the right choices for themselves. They want to start eating, you know, whole nutritious foods. But it can be a little bit intimidating. It can totally. be intimidating. What do I spend my money on? What do I leave out? What? Uh, how do I start changing my cabinet? What do I, you know, what oh, goes yeah. first? So, like, if you had your druthers or if you were, like, had some advice to give somebody that wanted to kind of make this transition not only to spending less money but also incorporating more whole and nutritious foods in their life. Oh, yeah. Like, what would a, what would the ideal pantry kind of look like? Or just, like, um, an easy starting point. Like, maybe yeah, someone's like, yeah, I want to go out today to key food, and I want to, you know, make something happen. What Absolutely. do you think? Well, I think the key thing is to just be really positive with yourself and sort of think about what is a meal or think about, you know, a few things that you've really enjoyed eating that you think okay. of as, like, healthy um, healthy meals that you would like to be able to uh, to make for yourself and focus on those. You know, rather than sort of thinking like, oh, I've got to get that quinoa or whatever the thing is. You know, don't think about what other people have told you is like, this is the healthy food. And um, go with something that really speaks to you that you can see yourself eating more often. Um, And go with your taste. You know, trust your own taste. Right, right. Um, It's yours and you should be happy to eat the food that you're making for yourself. Um, so for me, that's always things like, you know, garlic and chilies are like my two favorite flavors. And so if I add that to just about anything, I'm basically going to like it. Like Mm. pretty much guaranteed. Like even if I'm trying this weird new vegetable or something, um, that I've never had before, most likely if I, um, if I season it in a way that I really, that I love already, I'm going to enjoy it. Okay. Um, so, and then the thing is, I think really to just focus on, staple kinds of things like yeah. i always say like eggs for me are a okay. big one because yeah. um well i mean they're protein um and they are really filling and they're so freaking easy to deal with easy like, and super versatile oh my god yes, yes. well yeah, yeah, of yeah. course you know we all know like you know they're great in desserts as well as mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. for breakfast and scramble we think of them as breakfast food but there's no reason not to just have an egg on top of Definitely. your dinner to sort of add something more to it there's no reason not to scramble it with some other stuff that you're making if you have some leftover fried rice or whatever just throw a couple of eggs in there and you talk about in the book um it's right up top it just kind of what kind of eggs to buy i think i think yeah i think that's important <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. important to kind of like clarify that and just so what does that mean like well for me it's always i mean because eggs are such a staple of my kitchen mm-hmm. um and they're a very important protein source because i don't eat uh, all that meat. much mm-hmm. other meat um and in general you know the sort of good and cheap philosophy is that uh, not to eat a whole lot of meat because it is um it's expensive yeah, and it's not always all that healthy. And especially the cheaper cuts of meat tend to be um, the less healthy ones. Um, and so as a result, you know, I really, I like to focus on eggs. And so I think that we should always try to buy uh, another sort of overarching philosophy of the book is to not be slavish to the bottom line okay. to um, be as cheap as possible while not, uh, not sacrificing quality where you don't need to. Okay. And so, for example, like I think, you know, get the cheapest, get the cheapest rice, get the cheapest grains, you know, get the cheapest, get dried beans okay. and cook them, you this know, these good. kinds of things, but don't, uh, don't always get those like dollar a dozen eggs because yeah. they're usually not very good. And then you're asking yourself, why is it a dollar? Yeah. What, what kind of farm? Yeah. I mean, there's other from? issues. And I, what? you know, yeah, I try yeah, not yeah. to get into the morality of things. Sorry, I that's think that's, my... no, no, absolutely. It's, but oh, yeah, I yeah. think it's important, okay. but I think it's every, I think it's an individual thing, and I think that everyone needs to think about those things and should absolutely sure. search themselves and think about why things are the way they are. But ultimately, 
those dollar ones, I mean, they're lousy. Usually the yolks are like incredibly light yellow. They're like really lacking in flavor. Um, and when you think about it, even the more expensive eggs are like $4 a dozen. Right, um, right. Usually the fresh ones, the farmer ones, um, the, you know, and there's a lot of confusing names for them. Of course, there's a yeah, fresh run yeah, and yeah, yeah. free run and blah, 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 blah. Um, but ultimately the, the organic eggs or the, the farm fresh eggs, mm. um, they're only $4 a dozen. If you think about that per egg, it's still, when you change the really value, pretty yeah, 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 yeah. It's like what else? And you think what you're like getting out of for it. A dollar. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're making then, you know, if you're getting dried beans or you're getting, um, other kinds of things that that can allow you to have a slightly higher quality egg. And like olive oil, butter. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Well, I use, that's an example people bring up a lot that I use <laughs> butter because I know I that it. sort that of standard, it. it's uh, often people are encouraged to get the either margarine or like other types of cheap oils. But to me, it's like, why do we even have those things in our cupboard? We no. have them in order to be able to cook, to add flavor to things. Exactly. And right. when you use margarine or you know, sort of generic vegetable oil or mm-hmm. canola oil or mm-hmm. corn oil or whatever it may be, you are adding almost no flavor. Yeah. All you're adding is a sort of texture. You're using it as a thing that will keep the pan from getting nasty bits all over right, it. Right. Um, that's, it's really, it's a utility item. Okay. When And if there's ever an opportunity to take something that is utilitarian and have it add more flavor to the dish, like, I should take that. Yeah. So, you know, buy butter use it it will add something to your dish don't mm-hmm. use so much of it but um well or do from time to time that's okay too um but it adds this really i mean it adds buttery flavor yeah, it adds good. this wonderful savory flavor and it toasts a little bit i mean butter has uh not only fat but little bits of milk in it mm-hmm. and so those toast mm-hmm. and then that adds flavor to whatever sure. you're doing so i think that's great i think so we i think that that's actually really good advice though it's like so go ahead buy yourself you know your cheap grains um what else did we say cheap grains grains and then dried beans and, and dried things. beans yeah. like that yeah, and they're then... so they're so inexpensive and things and then other canned things that tend to be higher quality like tomatoes and um other sorts of things like that certain frozen vegetables are really good mm-hmm. um uh, and then, you know, splurge on those fresh fresh fruits and vegetables that you kind of can't really uh, find for cheaper. Cool. I love it. Well, we are going to take a short break right now. Um, and when we come back, we are going to have lots more going on. Good and cheap. Stay tuned. This one's called Anxieties by The Landing. You're listening to Sharp and Hot. Oh, 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 
The International Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. All right, everybody, we are back uh, with Sharp and Hot on Heritage Radio Network. This is Ann Hogan filling in for Chef Emily Peterson today. Um, for those of you who missed our first half, Leanne Brown is here, <laughs> uh, author of cookbook Good and Cheap, Eat Well on $4 a Day. Um, and Leanne, we were just talking a little bit over the break um, about what I think is kind of one of the coolest parts about this book is just kind of starting this project um, to begin with. And having the courage to really um, <laughs> yeah. kind of give yourself permission to, to change an idea into reality um, and kind of and bring something that you felt so strongly about uh, into the hands of other people. Um, just kind of like what, what kind of prompted you to be able to, to go for it? Wow. I mean, that's a big... Yeah, it's a, it's a huge question, but uh, I feel like, I'm sort of looking back, I feel like I have a bit more clarity about that now. I think uh, we talked in, in the first half about how uh, the book was a thesis project, and right. so that, that starts the story. It was sort of, I think a thesis project is an opportunity. You know, when you're in school, the one, hopefully not the one time in your life, but it's one time in your life where uh, you sort of should do something that you really think needs to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that you think is missing, and you need to... It, you know, it's an opportunity to just do something that you don't think anyone else maybe will do. Something that maybe you can do that okay. not that many other people may do. Um, and so that's what started that. And then, you know, after I, I created the sort of first version of the book was for the thesis project, and it's changed a lot since yeah, yeah. then. Um, I had I was kind of trying to shop it around to different nonprofits and kind of try to get it out there, get the word out there a mm-hmm. little bit more because just being a free pdf um without really a home it it wasn't really it wasn't really out there i was i was kind of wimping out i was i had you know let my classmates know i'd let people know and kind of i feel like i was kind of waiting for something um and you know after meeting with a few different people who were sort of enthusiastic but not necessarily giving me direction i realized that i needed to do it my for myself you know i needed to just say like okay you have to just do this on your own. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I made a little website and I just put it up there and didn't really even tell many people that it was there. I remember that. Yeah, I, remember I just was sort of like, of okay, website. I'll just yeah, kind of yeah, do yeah. this. I'm like, you know, try to get some more. I, I thought I would put some more content up there and then eventually drive more people there. Again, kind of wimping out, right? Right. You're like, oh, well, it's not ready Total, yet. Oh, it's Let me not just quite add ready. some oh, more. How can add I? Some more. Exactly. Yeah. How can mean? I? Yeah. How yeah. can I continue to live in my comfort zone? And mm-hmm. I really need to not. And so, what forced me finally out of my comfort zone was um, it ended up on a thread on a Reddit board, 
um, and it blew up into this incredibly popular thing, and it went viral basically within like two days. And there was this giant list of people talking about the book, you know, talking really positively right, for the most part about right. it. There were some criticisms here and there, but they were all totally justified. And it was fascinating to see one person criticize and then someone else rebut from my own yes, words in so the book. I was like, oh. what is happening? <laughs> um, it was so strange, That's but awesome. so gratifying. And sort of from there, then we launched the Kickstarter. The point of the book was also always to me for it to be free because this is a cookbook that is for people who can't afford a cookbook um so it needed to continue to be free at the same time i kept hearing from so many people like it can't just be online it needs to be a physical thing because not everyone has access to the internet or people just won't find out about it otherwise Mm -hmm. um which is another issue because i think a lot more people do have access to the internet than people realize right um but that's sort of one of those funny things Mm. um but so then the Kickstarter was sort of this moment of like, okay, there's all these people who are supportive of this. Maybe they would support a print run mm-hmm. so that we could give more away. And that's where the buy one, give one uh, idea came from. And it, it was so much more popular than I ever expected yeah, again. And just speaks to the how important it is to just be brave and put your stuff out there. Because if it wasn't for those people kind of finding it, putting it out there, sharing it, all the people who have benefited from it wouldn't have benefited from it. And I, right. I can't help but think about that when I think about why to be brave, why to try something. Is If you have a hunch that you can do something mm-hmm. and that you have something to give that might be beneficial to others, even if some people maybe don't think it's that big a deal, mm-hmm. if you think there's a few people out there, someone you will. really, really need to put that out there because there's someone who will. And in the age of the internet, those people will find you too. It's yeah. a really cool thing. That's you may feel like you're not connected to them. But they'll be able to find you if you put the work out there. And then, like, so this woman that I was talking to you about Mm -hmm. who has um, her two kids who she's now cooking with, you know, she wouldn't have that if I had continued to wimp out about everything. So Yeah, it's just so important to kind of just to share what you got. Like, you can't keep it to yourself. Yeah, and you can't do it out of false modesty either. Mm -hmm. Sort of like, oh, well, I, you know, maybe people don't want it. It's, you need to put yourself out there and say, I want this. right. Right. And be brave enough to do that. That is... That, I yeah. w- and say, I want to do this and I want to give this. And it matters to me. And it doesn't matter if people smack you down and say that it's not great either. You have to just Yeah, like going. try it out. Keep it out. Not just... Yeah, I like that idea a lot. That's very, And very things cool. don't have to be perfect when they're out there too. I think that's the other thing is mm. I think so much of the wimping out was Better like, Oh, I need to keep working on it it's in under but i mean had i not put it out not being perfect i wouldn't have got all this great feedback that had then wow. been able to you know as i've there's been a number of versions and now you know we haven't discussed this yet and but the uh i'm putting out a proper uh second edition with a publisher workman publishing this summer um and that's you know a whole new version and i've been able to incorporate into that some of so much of the feedback that i've heard because of putting it out there when it was imperfect and over and over again and being able to finally connect with the audience and give people more of the stuff that's the most useful to them that's really great so that's coming out in june in june yeah yeah, and that's going to be available in everywhere yeah it'll be like on amazon and barnes like all the big places it will finally be so cool and what does that mean for um what does that mean for the free version is there still going to be a free version of the second one yes so for uh the version that is available now will be just available forever Okay. Um, the new version that I'm making with Workman will be uh, 
will will not be free. Okay. Um, that will be, but it will be buy one, give one, which is very exciting. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And the first version is always going to be free. Exactly. Always It'll always be there. And you know what? Most likely thing, you know, I'll continue to share recipes here and there. Things yeah. will trickle up. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a, a sealed vault, everybody. I think um, that's really cool. And I think if there was, so say there's somebody out there, um, it's just one piece of advice that you can give to someone who, I don't know, maybe is, is, hold on to something in their heart that maybe, you know, maybe it doesn't even have to do with food, but an idea they got that like, you know, what does it mean to, to kind of like commit and put it out there? Or like, is it like just not being perfect? Is it it's definitely not it? being perfect. And I think it's just saying like, so what if I fail? I'm going to be really proud of doing it. Right. And you'll know, you'll know, like if you fail, at least you'll know, you won't kind of like be stuck in this yeah, because there's fail. nothing worse this than hesitation. sort of feeling like you have this thing that's kind of cool, but you're not sure about it. I mean, there's no there's no satisfaction in that, I suppose. Like, I look back on the way that I felt uh, before I launched it, and I, you know, I wasn't really satisfied. I was frustrated with yeah. myself. I think, I, you know, and you learn so much about yourself just by doing something like that. Um, really putting something that matters a lot to you out there. I think there's so much, like, we protect ourselves with all kinds of things, like, even just negativity, like believing, like thinking like, oh, you know, no one could like it. Right. It's sort of false modesty, but it's also pr- trying to protect yourself from yeah. the fear of Absolutely. if other people say they don't like it, if I said at first that I don't like it and they won't like it, then it's not embarrassing or it's not shameful or whatever. Um, but you just have to be willing to say, nope, I want this to be good. I want this to be helpful. People want to hear from you. Yeah. Wa- and I think when you share, I think, I think what, for me, what good and cheap, what I love about it so much is I think you sharing good and cheap, like it also gives oh, other people, people have been myself so the courage incredible. to share other things that are in, you know, in, in people your share their hearts. stories all the great. time. Yeah. So it's cool. amazing. I can't believe how much goodness I've seen. I'm, I've, I've always sort of believed that people are inherently good. I really mm-hmm. do. Um, mm-hmm. and this project has made me feel that so much more strongly. Um, just the number of, I mean, how many people supported the Kickstarter? How many people just want to, um, to get stuff out there to people. Um, how many people are dying to help, yeah, but don't know how. And so when you give people an opportunity to be helpful and be a part of something, um, a moment to even just share a tip, whatever, um, they want to take it because so many people want to help as well. So great guys. This was, I can't even believe that our time <laughs> is run out. This was a great, just a great hang, Leanne. Thank you so, so much fun. for being here. Now we can get here. pizza. Yeah, now guys, we're not going to live good and cheap. Oh, wait. No, that was, wait. Uh, wait. You can make good and cheap pizza, too, but yeah. no, probably not today. That's right. Okay, yeah. next episode. Um, thank you so much for being here. Good and cheap. You can download it. Um, you can download the PDF on the web. The yep. new one will be out at in- uh, liambrown.com. There you go. Um, so go check it out. And if you have an idea that maybe is brewing in there, get on it. Share it with some people. Do it. And don't be scared. <laughs> Even if it's not perfect. We're, we're rooting for you. All right. So uh, we're in it together. Um, as Chef Emily says, until next time, please keep on playing with fire and knives. Thank you, guys. Chef Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. 
To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.